folding pocket. The Fast and the Curious is part of the Acast Creators Network. You enjoy it now. Hello and welcome back to The Fast and the Curious with me, Betty Glover. Me, Christian Hugill. And me, Tim Principal, Greg James. This is a Formula One podcast for a whole spectrum of Formula One fans hosted by us and the drivers themselves. And this is our first year getting involved in the circus that is Formula One. And we've made it halfway through. Six months done, guys. Yes, I can't believe it. It's gone so quickly. I'm not going to lie. It feels like about halfway through the Formula One season. I think we could do with a break from Formula (laughs) One. But it feels like this podcast has, has been around for a lot longer in the same way i can't quite believe it's only been six months in a nice way we've been doing this podcast for what feels like forever (laughs) (laughs) but in a in a really nice way i don't remember my life before the fast and the curious and i'm very pleased that it came along your half season review from me like parents evening i'm giving you both a stars it's been great fun I never got an A star at school Greg so do you know what I'll take that every day of the week well you're welcome so Betty tell us what's happening on this on this episode a mid-season review a look back a look back so we've got no drivers with us today they're on a break until the end of August I'm very jealous about that so we thought that this would be like the perfect week to sort of reflect on the 2023 season so far with some of our highlights on and off the track including some Christian, Q Christian. Oh, sorry. McLaren News. <laughs> Beautifully done. <laughs> uh, direct from the team themselves in the form of Director of Strategy, Randy Singh, who we absolutely love. And also, how could we do a mid-season review without checking in with some of our listener drivers? We've got Ellie, who was our actual first non-driver guest. Uh, Misha, a very happy Australian from our F1 phone-in, who grew up near Daniel Ricardo. And if you listen to that episode, you will remember that Christian absolutely loved her voice last time. So we're going to hear from her. <laughs> They're all lined up to go through the highs and the lows. We're probably going to talk about, you know, that driver that is apparently really good called Max Verstappen and also mention a little bit about Apex Humping. Well, we, we, don't, we don't necessarily have to do Apex Humping. <laughs> I just wanted to bring the listeners backstage um, on this recording. And um, Christian is in an area of low internet signal at the moment. So we asked him to take his video off so we could get better audio. And there was this really... <laughs> Quite eerie moment where you queued him up for his McLaren news thing, and then just at, through the through the ether, through the ether came McLaren news. It was one of the most haunting experiences of my life, actually. Just oh, then. I, I, I don't, I don't want to bring haunting energy to this podcast. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> it, does, it does feel like this week we are being haunted by Christian Hugo. <laughs> well, this week you're haunting. <laughs> Last week, you were ranting. Christian, that was fantastic. That's definitely added to your A-star score. Wow. I was nervous to do a rant because you know me. I'm a positive man and a rant's not my style. But as you heard, that bloody penalty for Hamilton really did wind me up. It's the first time I've actually been properly wound up by something in Formula did 1 it? this year. Yeah, believe it or not it did. But I wasn't playing to the cameras it did just wind me up. We need to be letting these guys race. It doesn't matter who is in the car, whether it's Hamilton Perez, Hulkenberg, Albon Nigel Mansell, it doesn't matter. Let's let them race please and let's not be giving out penalties like we're giving out pick a mix. Nigel Mansell. Well, it was very enjoyable to listen to and uh, I, 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 as a fan I enjoyed listening to it and it got me up to speed on the Belgian Grand Prix as well because I was otherwise disposed watching one of the most ludicrous test matches of all time. But we won't talk about that because that's for a different <laughs> podcast. But what, what I do want to talk about is Betty Glover, star of the netball on actual oh, television. <laughs> I know. Who would have thought, hey? Oh, me. All of us. We think you're brilliant. That's why I'm sat here with a full face of makeup, Greg. Usually I sit here looking like an absolute troll in the corner. <laughs> but um, I look all right today. A troll. <laughs> but do say so myself. <laughs> I am not a sexist pig and I don't judge anyone on their appearance, especially 
female broadcasters, but you've done a, a fantastic job. You know your stuff. You're brilliant on telly. It's live. It's exciting. And you were at the centre of the story as England beat Australia for the first time ever in a World Cup. Is that right? Yeah, first time ever in a World Cup. Like, absolutely historic. And you, do you know what? When it happened, like amazing scenes, atmosphere is incredible. And the one thing that came into my head, couldn't stop thinking about it was, God, I'd love to speak to Oscar Piastri about this. Maybe one day I can put it to him. Well, it's been a br- it's been brilliant. When is it? When's it all finished? So semi-finals on Saturday, and then what? Final on Sunday. What's the chances of England winning? Higher now because they were bloody excellent uh, earlier today against Australia. So I think they could. I think they could do it. You know, but then I I don't know. Anything can happen. A bit like in Formula One, anything can happen. Wow. So uh, just a quick question. Quick question from me before we continue with the actual highlights. Pick your favourite person who lines up in that bit before the Grand Prix. Favourite person from you, Christian, who who looks best in that? George Russell, because I like the story behind it. Betty. Um... Alonso. Alonso, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, Christian, the most embarrassing one. Uh, George Russell, because of the story behind it. <laughs> Betty? Who's the most embarrassing one? Oh, my God, I can't think. The answer is George Russell. <laughs> What's the story behind it? I don't think I know this. Pre-season, like two weeks before the season starts, they get all the drivers to this recording studio and they basically film with them all day. So if you follow the F1 social channels all the stuff where they're all in their full race suits in the glitzy studio like um i can't remember what they call it beat the grid or or grill the grid that's it grill the grid they do all of that in a day so they're knackered by the end of the day and then they they also have to do the sort of pose for the opening titles and they say oh do what you want to do you know just pick something which is it and george just literally leant against a bar with his arms in the air and they started filming and went that's it that's the one and george was like well no i was just leaning wasn't it so don't don't film that and they were like no we filmed that that was great and George's like for sake <laughs> yeah but I, I actually think George quite likes it I think he quite likes it oh too. he loves it protesting too much I think with that anyway where do you want to start Christian what what should we do should we should we have some actual racing highlights from you the racing highlights are that we're living through history. It might not be history that everyone likes. And by the way, I follow plenty of Red Bull and Max Verstappen fans who are loving it. But this is probably, at this stage of the season, the best car in Formula 1 history ever. Being driven by a driver who has cemented himself this year as one of the all-time greats. We knew Max was good. He was a double world champion. I think we now know from the first half of this season that he is an all-time great. So, yeah, not everyone loves it because, unfortunately, you know, we're, we're getting predictable race winners, but it's history. It's actual history. What is it about Max Verstappen's sort of driving style and technique and everything that makes him such a good driver, Christian? Great question. I'm not sure I can do justice to the answer, but I'll have a go because it's what, what I'm paid for. Um <laughs> <laughs> I, m- Max is able to cope with anything. So whether it's the need to go from naught to 100% instantly for a qualifying lap, he's supremely quick. Whether it's overtaking, where he's refined his ability over the years. he's He used to be too rough around the edges, make too many mistakes, be sort of fast and raw, which sounds a bit weird, but bear with me. Whereas now he tends to know when to take a risk he's aggressive when he needs to be and he's also good at most of the time he got a bit grumpy in the last race but he's most of the time quite good at keeping his head so he knows when to push he knows when to hang back he knows when to overtake and he knows when to be aggressive he's as close to unbeatable as it's possible to be at the moment and in my 20 odd years of following F1 I've only ever described Lewis Hamilton as that once at the very peak of his powers so he's he's that good he's got he's got everything raw speed overtaking ability he's got it all and that Red Bull just suits him down to the ground do you think he's getting better yes without question he's getting better and better and better he's growing in confidence and as I say like we knew from the 2021 
title fight where whatever your opinions over the unfortunate events of Abu Dhabi 21, both drivers, Hamilton and Verstappen, were worthy champions. Last year, Max only had a half-season battle with Charles Leclerc from the second half of last season. Ferrari were nowhere, so Max won it comfortably. This is Max flexing his muscles, and this is Max showing us that he is one of the absolute greats. Well, when we got to speak to him, Christian, and that was probably like our most rushed interview that we've had to do with the driver this season. We basically just had to rally together and quickly get it done. I think I interviewed him when I was in Portugal from a hotel room. So (laughs) it was really rushed, but we got to talk to him about kind of what makes him tick and get inside his brain a little bit. I don't know how to put this without being blunt, but you said you like asking blunt questions to us, so I'm going to do it. Max, do you ever get bored of winning? Is that possible? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I never get bored of winning. That uh, for sure not. Um, it would be way worse if it's the other way around, of course, where you are putting like everything in it that you can and you never really get a good result. So, uh, no, it's it's good. I mean, of course, some are a bit more satisfying than, than others, like race wins. Some, you know, when you really have to work hard for it and you win it, it can give you a bit of a different sensation in, in feelings. But... Um, it's uh, it's where you want to be. It's what we were hoping for and working for for quite a while again, you know, with the team to, to get back on top. Would you, as a racer, and you love a battle, you love competitiveness, would you rather it be a bit closer or are you quite happy dominating the season? <laughs> I've done both of them already, you know, to have a really close season and then um, a bit more of a dominant season. I do prefer uh, probably a dominant season, yeah. But I also like the races. But <laughs> I, I, it's just, you know, maybe a few years dominant and then a few close here. That would be good. I think that's fair enough. I'm not going to judge you for saying, like, no, I quite like this as it's going rather well. Thanks a lot. Well, we quite just, like you know, then you, then you know that you have the best car. You know, that is what you work for as a, with the whole team, right, to achieve something like that. And, of course, sometimes it can be a little bit, let's say, boring from the outside. But for us, you know, it's still every week in, every week out, you have to perform to the highest level, and you really have to extract everything out of it. So it's in a way, it's not it's not that boring. How do you keep yourself motivated week in, week out on the sim, trying to keep yourself, you know, at the top of your game when you know that you don't have that really close competition behind kind of pushing you weekly? Well, I mean, it's still within the team as well, right? I mean, there are two drivers, so you want to stay ahead of the other one. And um, you know that the others are also pushing flat out to try and catch up because that's exactly what... We did as well in the years that we were not winning. So when you get on the simulator as well, you always try to improve your car, try to steer the development in the right direction as well for for the coming years. I loved your line, Christian, about living through history. And as sports fans, all of us, whatever the sport, the story is everything. And I just wanted to dig a bit deeper on what's making Red Bull and Max Verstappen so special and how... Does that dominance compare to teams and drivers over the years? Well, Gregory, I've been looking into this uh, because I'm getting asked this a lot. So I properly dug into my sort of geeky notebooks a little bit earlier. And let's look at the first half of the season to see how historic this is. So you have to look at previous dominant forces in Formula One. And the last three in sort of my lifetime have been Lewis Hamilton at Mercedes, Sebastian Vettel at Red Bull and Michael Schumacher at Ferrari. So let's take first half of the season. Max has won 10 out of the 12 races. So what I've done is is, is pulled out a couple of other fairly dominant seasons. So 2019, Lewis Hamilton won seven of the first 11. 2018, Lewis Hamilton won four of the first 11. 2013, for Sebastian Vettel, he'd won four out of 10. Now, even the really dominant ones of Michael Schumacher, 2004... Michael won eight of the first nine. He eventually went on to win 13 of the 18 races. In 2002, Michael won six of the first nine. So as you can see, Max's 10 of 12 stacks up properly historic. And in terms of Red Bull as a team, they are going to beat Mercedes. In 2016, Mercedes won 19 of the 21 races this year. Red Bull have won all the races, all 12. Really incredible. I I love a bit of historical context because you can get lost in the weekly, oh, Max won again, oh, same old, same old. And 
we're all a bit guilty of that because you want it to be. It's a bit like when Roger Federer was like, "Oh, Roger Federer is one of them." You get, you get, you get a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you get a little bit blasé about, "Oh, Roger Federer is one again." Oh, Djokovic one again. But take a step back, <laughs> and these are phenomenal moments in sporting history. Yeah, and also when we launched this podcast, I think quite a few people were like, "Oh, you you haven't chosen a very exciting season to launch a new Formula One podcast." Or have we? Ooh. Have we launched a Formula <laughs> One podcast during a season that is absolutely historic? I think we have. <laughs> Amazing sass from Betty Glover. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so that's the Red Bull news. We're not going to give them a jingle just yet. I don't think they deserve one. <laughs> <laughs> they don't need a jingle. They, they've already got enough fanfare. But let's have a look at the rest of the field. So Aston Martin were right up there to begin with. Fernando was on fire. Fire. Mercedes and Ferrari have had their moments of seeming like the second fastest as well. But McLaren. Oh, Christian, hit it. McLaren news. (laughs) McLaren have been such a huge part of the season so far and we've been following them closely i mean we've been uh, we've been hanging out with them at the grand prix we spoke to oscar very early on in this podcast we've had lots of chats with lando and i'm going to call it right now my favorite guest we've had on this podcast part of a feature that i like to call what do you do <laughs> was the director of strategy at mclaren randy singh and i thought it'd be quite nice to get randy back on for a Half season review. Randy, welcome back. Hey, Randy. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me back. How are you? Good, thank you. Looking forward to shutdown, um, but we're just getting ready for the event just after as well. So still quite a lot going on. Um, And then on Sunday night, everything goes off for two weeks, which will be interesting. Does it actually go off? Do you actually switch your brain off? I bet you don't. Uh, Brain, maybe not, but like uh, emails, uh, laptop, everything. You're not allowed to use it at all. Um, Factory's not open. Oh. Um, Yeah, so it is actually very uh, incredibly strict. Um, We let everyone know what the rules are. um, And you have two weeks of... uh, peace and quiet to recharge before the next bit of the season. So what would happen if you did go on your laptop? Uh, so that would be against the sporting regs, which uh, means that we'd get called up in front of the FIA because uh, we've broken part of the regulations. And then actually, I don't think anyone has ever done that. So I don't know what the penalty would be for oh. that. That's fantastic. I didn't know it was that strict. I didn't know it was part of the FIA sort of like sporting regulations. You're not allowed to do any work because I guess that could be gaining an advantage while everyone else is sleeping, essentially. Well, I hadn't, I'd had no idea about that. Neither did I. What are you still doing here? Turn your laptop off. We're going to get fined. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this year, actually, there's also a winter shutdown that runs from just after Christmas through to I think just after New Year's Day so uh, first year that we'll be trying that as well but that also means that people are guaranteed some time at home not working uh, doing what's normally quite a busy period for us over Christmas as well so it's it's really done in the interest of all of the staff and actually I think it works really well. That's fantastic. It's something that Greg and Betty you've learned this year with it being your two's first sort of proper season of, of really following the sport heavily uh, Greg, it seemed to surprise you just how strictly it's watched. So whether it's wind tunnels, which the FIA have access to the cameras to, to make sure teams aren't exceeding their allocated wind tunnel times, mm. or whether it's um, in the garages at race weekends when the car's under park ferme conditions, it's this is just one other example of how Big Brother, i.e. the FIA, are always watching the teams. It's such a closely followed sport, 365 days a year. Well, I love it. I I don't know if the method is necessarily how I would do it, but I think the end result of everyone having an actual bit of headspace is fantastic so so that's i don't know if that's the the only reason they're doing it for mental health reasons it feels like it might be for cheating reasons but you know method whatever but the outcome is is fantastic randy for those who weren't listening to the first time you appeared on this podcast can you just give everyone a brief overview of of what your job at mclaren is please yeah so i'm a director of strategy in sporting so that means i look after all of the race strategy side of things so that's uh, deciding what tires we use in a weekend how we use them what we do strategy-wise in the race and in qualifying as well. Sometimes we stay in the garage and don't do a run to save a set of tyres. Um, and there's a, a good team of us working on strategy, also responsible for the sporting side, which is making sure that we're always compliant with the sporting regs, 
dealing with issues that come up over race weekend. So, for example, if we're in a collision with another car and we're summoned to the stewards, I will go along with the drivers um, and just doing our best to make sure we stay squeaky clean on that side of things. And weather as well recently, which might be of interest given the last um, uh, the last few races since we last spoke in Imola, um, have nearly all had at least one wet session. Randy, one of my favourite moments of this season actually was on the Saturday night when we were kind of walking around um, the McLaren garage just before the Grand Prix at Silverstone and we bumped into you. We, like, I think you were just coming out of the toilet or something and we ended up talking to you as you were like stood in the doorway. So sorry about that. But um, that it was so interesting just picking your brains and like learning about what your role is and how you do it all and the weather behind it and everything. How do you deal with the stress? Because you have got so much pressure on, on top of you. Yes, I was waiting to go to the toilet, actually. So there was a bit of stress <laughs> at that as well. But um, yes, you, you get used to it after a while. I remember my first race, I sat on the pit wall at my first race, which was in itself a massive privilege to do and your heart is like going crazy at the, the start. And uh, we've measured our heart rate a few times recently as well. And it just barely blips up when there's a safety car. So some of it is just the more races you do, the more you get used to it. But you work with a great team of people. Uh, genuinely can say there's no blame culture. My boss, Andrea, I've worked with him for eight years now. Uh, we understand how each other work. And everyone in the strategy team, we've worked together for probably close to eight years as well. So you kind of understand how people work. Uh, there's no blame, which is a massive part of not being stressed, um, because every decision we make could go wrong as well as it could go right. And so I think a big part of it is just, you know, being trusted to do your job, to understand when you've made mistakes and how you can improve. Um, and then there's no real stress because, you know, every mistake is actually a learning opportunity rather than something that you get told off for. Randy, McLaren provide two highlights of the season so far. In this episode, we're sort of looking back on the first half season of, of the 2023 F1 season, but also our first half season as a podcast in existence. Two lovely things here. Firstly, as a podcast, I'd obviously heard of Randy before being a massive F1 geek that I am. So, Greg, when you did your What Do You Do? and Randy was unveiled as our mystery guest, it was like, Oh my God, this is so cool. We're getting like actual F1 people who I'm fascinated by on this podcast, as well as sort of just the drivers. But also, as we're discussing the on-track stuff, McLaren is sort of the story of the season for me. Because Randy, I'm sure you don't mind me saying that Bahrain Grand Prix at the start of the year, McLaren were about the slowest car. And now, half a season in, a spectacular transformation in that you now both of your drivers are now battling for podiums that that must be huge for you guys considering where you were at the start of the season yeah there's um it's been a massive step forwards there's been big changes at the team and uh, i know many of the people here have been working really hard and I, there's been lots of organizational changes to try and make the team better and more performant uh, led obviously by Andrea, and it's good to start seeing the fruits of some of that very hard work that you see everyone doing. How do you feel about your car being called a rocket ship? <laughs> it must be quite exciting to hear Lewis Hamilton say things like that. <laughs> yeah, we've been uh, very fortunate uh, to do the strategy when the car's so good. Um, it's been really fun, very different to the start of the year. Um, different strategic problems, like sometimes you think it's a bit easier because you're now racing like a handful of cars, Whereas at the start of the year, because you're in the midfield pack, actually at the start of the year, at the back of the midfield pack, you're often racing 10 cars. So the problems are very different, but we have different problems now to try and solve in the race. Um, so, yeah, no, it's been massively positive. I think we have to also be aware that we've made a relatively big jump relative to other teams. And so that shows that anyone can achieve that if they work in a similar way, etc. And we've not made the jump like completely yet like there's still more to go so yeah Andrea calls it like the curse of Formula One like you you work really hard you you make a good improvement and then uh you're like okay I, I should be proud of what I've done but there's always like another step to make so I think we're kind of in that phase everyone's so motivated so happy with how we've done but we're all looking forward to like how we can over the next few years keep making steps forwards well on that is it slightly annoying that you've got to have a break now because the momentum was with you and just to, I don't know, what uh, comparison could I draw here? Um, oh, I wonder. Oh, yes, a cricket one. The England cricket team 
if there was another test match now, would win the Ashes because the momentum was with them. I don't know if you follow cricket much, Randy, but that was sensational, wasn't it? Do you feel like this is a bad time for a break? The cricket stuff I only know from Oscar, and I think he gives a different story to most people. <laughs> so, uh, yes, it's to be fair, with the shutdown the way it is, because all of the teams are off at the same time, pretty much, uh, teams have the freedom to move it around by one week, effectively. Um, but most teams uh, will do it at the same period as us. Um, because it just makes sense with when you finish Belgium and stuff. So because we all have the pause at the same time, effectively, there is no loss of momentum. You come back and it's the same. We're all just a bit more recharged. Right. And actually what we need to do is make sure that we actually recharge better than some of our competitors for when we come back. Apologies if this is a bit of a stupid question, but Randy, you say that there's more improvements to be made. Do you think at all this season it would be possible to beat Red Bull and Max Verstappen? I think uh, Red Bull <laughs> are clearly the class of the field at the moment um, and we've made really good progress. Um, I think at the moment there's a, a gap in performance that makes it very difficult to beat Max uh, and Red Bull. Um, so I think at the moment it would take something to let any team be in that situation. Um, nothing's short term in Formula One, despite like the fact that we've made some good gains this year. I think like we're not thinking about necessarily. We obviously want to do that, and if we can, we will try our absolute best. But it's always like thinking about the next couple of years and what we can do to put ourselves in the right path and keep keep slowly plodding away. I'm someone who gets called an F1 expert, and I'm not. You're an actual F1 expert. But one thing people ask me a lot at the moment is, well. Should we be worried about future seasons given Max and Red Bull's dominance? And the, and the answer I've given is, well, the rise of Aston Martin and the rise of McLaren shows you that big leaps forward can be made. And that should be encouraging looking into next season. Like We know, we know Max is going to win this title. We're all realists here. Ma Randy, am I right? Or am I being hopelessly optimistic? That, you know, Can we draw some optimism from that? for next season and the year after that we're not going to go into 35 years of Max Verstappen and Red Bull dominance? Uh, hopefully not 35 years. There is a big rule change coming in 2026 that we're uh, already talking to the FIA about all of the teams are. So I think there's always this regular shakeup. but I think you're entirely right. The uh, For this stage of this generation of regulations, the field has closed up enormously. And I think the relative changes like Aston Martin, ourselves this year, like the performances that you may not have expected at the start of the year show that it is possible to bridge some of the gap at least. Um, and what you tend to find nearly always is as a specific generation of cars continues, the field gets closer and closer. It's our first real attempt at seeing that with the cost cap, which actually should help that even more. So it should speed up how quickly um, teams close up to each other. So I'm quite excited that the racing will actually just get closer and closer, even this season, um, as well as the future seasons. I think we're going to get an Oscar and a Lando podium. I think at least twice before the season's out. And I think they'll share one and two. I'd love that. That would be amazing. That, that would be really amazing. I guess we have to keep our feet on the ground because <laughs> there will be people bringing upgrades uh, at races after shutdown, I'm sure. And, you know, some tracks suit certain cars and some don't. So we just have to keep doing our best. So, um, but I'll take that if it happens. So thank you. You're welcome. Trust me, Brandy. It will happen. Okay. I will make it so. <laughs> uh, thank you for promising us a double McLaren podium. Thing. <laughs> You're welcome. You are welcome. Hey, Randy, where are you going on holiday? Uh, I'm actually off to Australia on Sunday. So, oh, yeah. wow. So that'll be nice. Great. And you're still, at, are you still at, in Spa? Uh, no, I'm, I'm actually back. Uh, if you can see me on video, I guess, but I'm actually back at MTC. So I'm sitting in the mission control room where uh, the rest of my team normally nice. sit during the race weekend. Oh, we've seen that. I know what that looks like. Get out of there, Randy. It's a, it's a lockdown. You're going to get locked in. <laughs> We've got till midnight on Sunday, so got a little bit of time left yet. Randy's flight is three minutes past midnight. He's out of there. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, will you actually be working up until midnight? Or will you clock off a little bit earlier? Will you use is that time that you have exactly until it midnight? It is exactly until midnight. So certain uh, certain things will run a bit later. We have... Like most teams will have like a night shift or something as well. So some things will run later and closer to the edge. 
I hope I'm not working till midnight on Sunday, but um, there are a few things on my list that I want to try and finish off this week. So I may be doing a little bit at least. I'm jealous, you know. I might get the FIA to run my life. Yeah, it'd be cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> right, you've got to have this two weeks off. <laughs> By chance, I've got the exact same two weeks off as the Formula One teams. Are you going to Australia with Randy? Is that what's happening? I'll see you in Melbourne. <laughs> going to Sydney, but it's close enough. So. Well, uh, not anymore, you're not. <laughs> I'll see you in Melbourne because the FIA have told us to. But I, I think I'm going to do a, an enforced lockdown. I'm going to pretend that the FIA are now in charge of me as a team principal, and I'm just going to tell all my friends that I'm going to say, <laughs> you're not hearing from me for two weeks. Goodbye. Anyway, Randy, we'll let you go because you're probably quite busy. But we love you, and we, we love chatting to you. It's been fantastic getting to know you, and we will catch up with you when you've had a good rest. Awesome. It's an absolute pleasure, and I love listening to you all. Thank you. Thanks, Randy. Oh, bye. Thanks, Randy. Isn't he the greatest? I absolutely love him. His insight is incredible. I, I just want to. I want to talk to him forever. To be honest, I think he's he's so clever. You can tell he's so clever, can't you? Just oh. We can talk to him up until midnight on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> A wonderful, warm, intelligent, lovely man. Great to speak to Randy. From one legend to another, one of my favourite drivers that we've spoken to so far this season, and I'm pretty sure it's your guy's favourite driver as well, is Oscar Piastri. His rookie year in uh, in Formula One, he has just been, I've just absolutely loved hearing from him. And I think he's, we always say this whenever we talk about Oscar Piastri, but he's extra special because he was the first interview that we ever did on this podcast. And it's been so nice following his story. And to be honest, he's like, rapid rise like he's doing so well isn't he yeah I've been keeping a real close eye on Oscar Piastri because he came into Formula One with some pressure attached to him given his amazing record in the junior series and he's grabbed the headlines in the last few races and the reason he's done so is because the car's been so much better but actually Oscar's performances throughout the first half of the season were just as impressive. He's always been close to Lando and actually he's just been solid all season in two areas for me, raw pace. As I say, he's keeping up with Lando who we know is quick. He's showing no signs of, of rookie errors in overtaking his racecraft, his ability to race is really strong considering he had a year without racing. He's been good in qualifying. He's got the overtaking maneuvers and that is why I genuinely believe this is a kid who's made one of the most impressive debut seasons in recent history. And I think he will win races. I think he will battle for a world championship. Might be putting you on the spot here, Christian, but what was Lewis Hamilton's first season like? Spectacular. What was Max Verstappen's first season like? Were, were, were they all spectacular? Do you, do you have to land... Like that? Do you have to go, I'm here, this is it? You don't have to. You can build gradually, but it's not particularly fair to compare, particularly with Lewis Hamilton's era, because back then, teams could pretty much test as much as they liked. So Lewis Hamilton benefited from loads and loads of pre-season testing. So Lewis Hamilton's first season in 2007, I mean, he didn't only have a spectacular first season he had a spectacular first corner because he was battling with his legendary teammate Fernando Alonso who by that point was already a double world champion and Lewis finished third in his first race in Australia before winning Canada and the USA so Lewis Hamilton's debut season was spectacular Max's was spectacular as well but he was driving a considerably worse car than Lewis, but we just realised, oh my good Lord, he's so quick. I think it's fair to say that Oscar's probably the most impressive since then in terms of how quickly he's gone up to speed against such a high bar with Lando. It's a very, very impressive debut season from Oscar, particularly when you put into context the two other rookies this season who who haven't had it quite as good. So we've spoken about Oscar. Let's speak about Logan Sargent, who we've also had on the podcast so much over these last six months. How would you assess his uh, season? I like Logan an awful lot. I think he's a great guy. His first half season in Formula One hasn't been bad at all. As I said with Oscar, bear in mind the lack of testing these guys get. And Logan also hasn't got the experience in junior racing series quite what Oscar has. So bearing that in mind, I don't think Logan's doing too bad at all. 
The issue Logan's got is he's part of a Williams team that are really building blocks for the future and are very ambitious under their new boss, James Vowles. He's got a really tough teammate next to him and Williams are on a charge. Williams have been one of the stories of the season in the sense that they've had considerably more pace than they expected to. So what does that do? It puts pressure on their drivers. Alex Albon is storming it. Like Oscar, one of the most impressive drivers of the season. Obviously, Alex isn't a rookie. I think what I'd love to see from Logan is he close that gap to Alex by a tenth or so and pick up a few points. If he does that, he might well convince James Vowles, his boss, listen, this is a kid whose experience is building and therefore he'll be better next year. His debut season slightly remind me of Joe Granues and Yuki Tsunoda, sort of quiet but unspectacular. They both got second seasons. Christian, you mentioned Williams and their season so far. Any other highs and lows worth mentioning? I think Alpine will be really disappointed with their season. They were coming into this season hoping to really solidify their sort of best of the rest status. Last year, they only finished behind Red Bull, Ferrari and Mercedes. Disappointing pace, I would say, for Alfa Romeo, for Haas and for Alfa Tauri. They will have all hoped for better in terms of pace this season. And we mentioned it briefly at the start, but the story of the first half of the first half of the season was Aston Martin. Let's see now whether they can, in the second half of the season, go back to that position of being best of the rest. They will continue to upgrade the car. You'll see teams continue to upgrade cars this season. So Aston Martin, phenomenal rise for them. They will hope to get back to being best of the rest sooner rather than later and also while we're talking about the podcast highlights Mike Crack was hilarious in one of our Silverstone episodes so if you look if you missed um, that from Silverstone go back and have a listen to our chat with Mike because he was just fantastic what was he saying Alonso would be a good gardener or something he was going on about wasn't he <laughs> he worries he's going to lose Fernando Alonso to go and be a gardener yeah which is of course a, a natural worry you have when you're mm. managing F1 drivers absolutely And away from the track, one of the things that we love to do, what we love about this podcast is getting some of the amazing listeners on to help us co-host and chip in every now and then. There's some more spots available, by the way, if you do want to be a listener co-host, send your CV in to producer Jimmy. It's me uh, and the team and the team principal. Well, it's not just Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, sorry, and team principal. <laughs> Jesus. Can I just say, don't send your CV to me. Thanks a lot. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want the competition. It, it, it'll take his <laughs> off the ball he'll start panicking <laughs> that there's a uh, young whippersnappers around correct <laughs> but we have had so many questions so many um beat the christian suggestions that have come in race reviews from all over the world including Anne in canada anada um we've come up with did you kiss it Anne? because Anne um, messaged us came on and we had a great chat with her so i just absolutely love the fact that we have got so many listeners that want to join in in this mad fun with us. So I think this is probably a very good time to start with the first ever guest that we had on that wasn't a Formula One driver, a team principal on the show. It is Ellie. Hello. <laughs> hey, Ellie. Hi. <laughs> Hello, Ellie. How, how are you? What's going on? I'm good, thank you. I love that I was the first non-driver or team principal guest. That is that is very lofty. I'll take that. Thanks yeah. very kindly. Get that on the Wikipedia. <laughs> Ellie, you seem to be holding a mug. Uh, yeah, I am holding a mug uh, and it's the um, Toto Wolf. Uh, I have it printed out. I <laughs> love a novelty mug. We also have the Fernando Alonso 0.5 Zoom where he's just like stood really close to the camera because I think that's the height of comedy. So we also have that one as well. <laughs> Ellie, am I right in thinking you started watching F1 because of this podcast? We're about to ask how it's going, but the fact you've now got Toto Wolf and Fernando Alonso mugs suggests that you're rather enjoying Formula One. Oh, it's all right, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, yes, no, I am loving it. And look, I'm going to gonna go out there and say it's, uh, it's making my life at the moment. I literally planned a holiday around the Hungary uh, Grand Prix. You have a lot to answer for, <laughs> the three of you. Oh my God. I love that this is, we're only six months in and it is already taking over your life. You do realise, Ellie, that this is a really dark path you are going to go down. Give yourself two years and you're going to be like Christian Hugo. 
<laughs> you don't want that at the moment, I could, Ellie. I could only dream of it. <laughs> Run, Ellie. I do tend to get quite obsessed with things. And so I think it's for the good of the world that in 27 years I haven't found a sport I liked. But now it's, yeah, it's going very quickly um, downhill. <laughs> That's so great. I mean, it's, it is one of those sports that does attract people that get addicted to things quickly and, and there's lot there's lots to love about it I think there's lots of different sections of it that you can fall in love with and lots of stats if that's your thing lots of characters if that's your thing lots of just stories lots of history if that's your thing so I I, I totally get it and also if you're a real sort of physics nerd lots of numbers just lots of things and forces and you know resistance yeah i think in maybe like a couple of years maybe i'll start getting to that level whereas currently it's just like there's so many things to occupy my magpie brain that you'll never get bored with it and i think that's what i like about f1 well that's really nice Do, do you have a favorite moment from the season so far mine have all been like the memes that came out of the press conferences it's just my favorite thing um oscar's face when he saw that guy with the jetpack was potentially my highlight of 2023 <laughs> <laughs> it's it's actually i think that weirdly got a little bit lost that should be the famous meme from the season so far agreed there was also in one of the post-race interviews there was um the manufacturer's leaderboard behind him when he was being interviewed and it was like oh mclaren have just overtaken um alpine and he just made a face that was like this which i realized won't work on a podcast so sorry to listeners but the face was <laughs> a lot of people will know what you mean. I, I think I can uh, describe that face as the face of like, someone's doing well. Hmm? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. As we've just said, your first year watching the sport, and it's a year where, as we've been discussing earlier in the podcast, there is some negativity around the fact we're getting the same team winning. So A, do you mind that? And B, what are you loving? I don't mind it at all because I think it's like nobody would complain about living through the Schumacher years, presumably. Um, So I feel like that's kind of where we're at now. And I just love the, I love how many things there are to it. I love how many different parts make a whole. I love, like you were saying earlier, like there's so much of the physics and the science, but also the people and the fact that it's so dependent on just general things on the day, like how a safety car can ruin an entire race or make an entire race and there's absolutely no way of guessing that so it's kind of the strategy behind it as well there's just so many things I think you could just not get bored that's what I've found anyway what if you're this much of a geek at the moment Ellie how are you going to cope with the two-week break that's coming up what are you going to do with yourself yeah not well really um I mean I've subscribed to the Formula One YouTube channel and they're doing some kind of like driver bits aren't they doing like grill the grid and stuff oh my god you are turning into Christian (laughs) Jesus (laughs) so hopefully that will keep me entertained um but otherwise I'm just gonna sit by my tv and wait for it to come back I think that's my plan (laughs) wait for it to come back like you're waiting for like a dog waiting for its owner to come home yeah exactly (laughs) have you um sort of put together any sort of viewing ritual now you've got this new thing in your life over the course of a a race weekend um i've been to a couple of watch parties at the f1 arcade it's like a simulator center thing at st paul's so i've been to a couple of those which is fun because it's nice to be surrounded by people who actually know what they're talking about whereas i just kind of sigh whenever charles leclerc's on screen and stuff but they actually know what they're, they're doing so that's quite interesting to see other people responding to it but yeah it's i've always i've yeah as i say i've, I've reconvened a holiday to make sure that i was back for the hungry one so i've definitely sat down for them all Ellie, it's been so nice catching up with you again on our mid-season review. Will you come back for the next part of the season, please? Oh, go on then. I'll see if I've got a new mug for you. (laughs) Thank you. Cheers, Ellie. You take care. Lovely to speak to you. Thanks, Ellie. See you soon, Ellie. Oh, so many nice listeners. We've got another in the waiting room. Let's bring her in. Misha. We're doing the F1 phone in again. Remind us about Misha. She grew up near Daniel Ricciardo, like a road away from him. Oh, yes, the voice... The voice, Christian Yeg, do the voice again. You've got a lovely voice. You've got such a lovely voice. Hi, guys. Oh, here she is. It's all coming back to me now. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Misha. How are you guys? Thanks for having me back on. No, can, can, I just, can I just say, you've got a lovely voice. 
Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> Misha, in the least weird possible way, you've still got a lovely voice. <laughs> thank you, Christian. I appreciate the uh, the compliment. I take it as a compliment. Don't worry. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Misha, it, it must be such a good time for you because when we last spoke to you, you said that Daniel Ricciardo, who grew up around the corner from you, is your favourite driver. Well, he's back on the grid. Are you excited? Are you happy? I mean, I, I just, I had a feeling it was going to happen. I like felt it in my waters, you know, I was like, you can't keep a good man down I knew he'd make a comeback <laughs> and yes it was absolutely been the highlight of my season so far I even went so far as to record his little intro when it came on at his first race I was very excited yes my husband thinks that I've completely lost the plot but yes I was very excited I mean I started a Formula One podcast. We've all lost the plot. <laughs> exactly. You know, you've got to go with your passions. Um, yeah, you know, my passions are my instincts. My instincts, my passions were Formula One and my instincts were to work with Christian Hugel and Bessie Glover. And here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Last time we spoke to you, Misha, you were about to finish your psychology degree. Have you finished it? I have. And I actually just going to do a little boast here. Won an award yesterday for graduating top of my class. So. Oh, come on. Yeah! Congratulations! That's amazing. So yes, I'm on. I'm on my way. Have you made any inroads into making it into F1 yet as an F1 psychologist? <sighs> Guys, I think this could be my audition, right? Hopefully, someone can listen to this, and this can be a nice foot in the door. Maybe if I start dropping to Daniel, you know, I'm a Perth girl. Surely, you want some people in the, uh, you know, from from the hometown. Maybe that's my way in. So, okay. What would you do if you met Checo and you had to just talk to him about his mindset the rest of the season as kind of Max Verstappen's sort of second driver? He's behind Max, struggling a little bit, heads dropped a bit, confidence might have gone a bit. What would you say to him? So funny because I was literally just talking about this earlier today with my mom and I was saying, you know, it's so interesting how it's just such a boiling point of pressure, isn't it, in Formula One? Because it's like you've got to perform on the grid you've got people that are hungry for your seat if you don't perform and then you've also if you're having a losing streak like how do you sort of get yourself past that I think Checo seems like he's doing pretty well with that with his performances recently I guess you just have to stay hungry for it and stay focused and really remind yourself that you know you're one of the 20 best drivers in the world there's a reason that you're there and keep that positive mindset and just show people what you've got you know Checo what do you make of that then Imagine he was here. Yeah. That would be the best. He's not, no, he's not Misha Day. He's not. Uh, we haven't booked him. <laughs> They're all on. <laughs> I know. I was like, what? <laughs> because lucky I didn't say anything else. Imagine if I said something else. I'd love it if he just walked in behind me in my bedroom. <laughs> and we yeah. bring him in now. Uh, thank you very much uh, for that. Uh, very, very nice. So we'll just say, I'm going to go on holiday now. Oh, I thought that was him for a second. I was like, oh, it's just like, if you close your eyes, it's just like. It's uncanny. <laughs> not as good as the Toto Wolf, but. Hey, Misha, there is a company that Sebastian Vettel used throughout his time in F1 called Hintzer Performance. And what Hintzer do is exactly what you talk about. They work with drivers with their sort of mindset and the, the mental side of the sport. They're fascinating. I've spoken to a couple of their things before in other F1 adventures. There's the people to drop a CV to, Misha. Hintzer Performance. Hintzer Performance. I would definitely do that. I mean, I think so much of it must be psychological when you think about, especially if you're in the same car as your you know, your competitor. It, it plays such a huge part in it, surely. Yeah, you'd, you, it must play such, such a massive part. Also, I think it's such a relentless season for drivers. Like, how do do you just keep focused and, and not let fatigue kind of sort of creep in? I just think that must be so difficult. The stakes are so high, not just because of the sport and not just, like I said, because there are people that are hungry to get your spot, but also, you know, if you have an off day, you're putting your life at risk. You're putting other people's lives at risk. Like it's just, there's so much at stake there. And, and that's one of the reasons that I really like Daniel Ricciardo just as a person is because he's got that, you know, he can get his elbows out, he can drive, but then off the grid, he also maintains this really sort of happy-go-lucky, really Aussie, I guess, kind of approachability that I think it must be hard to keep that when you're in such a cutthroat industry like that. And his first two performances, the way he has picked himself up from a real tricky situation at McLaren last year and his first two performances, the pace has been excellent, suggests 
he has mentally picked himself up rather well. And as we were saying, we don't know how he's managed to do that because that can be a very tricky journey to go on. But, you know, Daniel's return is looking good. So that's been really optimistic. Uh, Misha, lovely to catch up with you again. So good that we've managed to get Daniel back in for you. We worked that with F1 and we got him back in for you. And congratulations on your many achievements. Thanks for having me. And, you know, if you need a resident podcast psychologist, you know where I am. Well, we've got one. It's you. Oh, it's me. Okay, yeah. already sold. Yeah, you've you've got the gig. That's why you're back. What? What? How are you coping with the break? What are you going to do for the next two weeks? Well, my parents are actually visiting from Perth, so I am hanging out with them and showing them around. And yeah, then I start my masters in October, so it's only a short break. Oh, amazing! Wow. Let's do a quick prediction now because we spoke to Randy from McLaren a little bit earlier on the podcast and I said that there will be a McLaren 1-2 at least once before the season is out. What are your your predictions? Maybe do a Daniel Ricciardo prediction for us. I mean, as much as I'd love to see Danny on the podium, I think maybe that's a bit of a stretch stretch goal. I'd like to see Danny (laughs) up in points, definitely. And I also would love to see a McLaren podium and potentially Lewis getting up there as well, I think, could be something that we could see. Maybe if someone crashes into Max and he gets taken out, we can uh, have a nice little one, two, three. You know? <laughs> well, like Hul- Hulkenberg just goes, oh, I'm just going to ram him off the road. And just That's a great idea. Maybe they can do it in the group WhatsApp, you know, throw him out, have a little sabotage plan. Yeah. Maybe when he's lapping them, they can come out the side and get him. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Right. Every- okay, so everyone has to hang back and then just attack him when he comes around again. Got to get that out there because I reckon they- they'll do it. <laughs> oh, God. Imagine if this happens like after the break and we're all going to be like, oh, God, <laughs> was that us? <laughs> yes, Greg James is not here this week. He's being investigated by the FIA and the police. <laughs> Misha, we'll let you go. Thanks so much. Have a great break and we'll catch up soon. Anytime, guys. Thanks, Misha. Bye. See you, Misha. Wow. What an episode. I loved all of that. So so much going on. We've we've covered a lot of ground, not only today, but over the last few months. I'm incredibly proud of where you two have taken this podcast to. You should be so happy with what you've been doing. And I, I love it and so much more fun to be had. A big shout out to you, Betty. Thank you for all your work. Thank you to you, Christian, for all your work and all your knowledge. And producer Jimmy, fantastic first few months as the um, as the technical director of The Fast and the Curious. It's been a real joy to do it. I look forward to chatting to you every single time we do this. I'm going to go and have a lockdown. The FIA have told me to. Sorry. Them, them's the rules, guys. <laughs> but in the meantime, you two are going to focus on the F1 Academy and we're going to get a chat with Chloe again because there's no lockdown for them, is there? No, no lockdown for them. We're going to get Chloe back on and I can't wait to speak to her. Also, I just love her thoughts on the Formula One season as well as the F1 Academy. I think mm. she gives such good insights. So I can't wait to speak to her again. Well, well done, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, any information you might have for us that you think it's fun, if you want to get involved in the podcast, then... The email address is fastandcurious at acast.com. Fastcuriouspod on Instagram and TikTok. Christian Hugo, any final thoughts? Well, just that, even though there's a shutdown, there very often is Formula One news over the course of the summer months because there's nothing to stop them doing contract negotiations or things like that. So don't be surprised if even during the shutdown we do get a bit of F1 gossip. And if that happens, me and Betty will be on hand to hold the fort until you get back from your holiday team principal. Don't you worry about that. Thanks all. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>